the way that commerce is done with like without cash and you know without like physical valuable things everything's electronics get that ransomware dime dude Oh, oh man, now I know who, who hacked Sony. Now I know who hacked Sony and stole my fucking account details. <laughs> An Italian flag goes across your screen. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> they got me again. Goddamn mafia. <laughs> just trying to play, play Counter-Strike. Goddamn it. Just Frank Sinatra just starts blaring out of your TV. It's like, this will continue until you give us the Bitcoin. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. I'm chewing. Fuck all of you. And Ryan. I get the real uh, ginger beer. Again, the little the goslings, the little se- the black seal one. Oh, it's so good. What yeah, is they're it? pretty good. Ginger beer? Yeah. Yeah, that's like straight out of Jamaica. I need a punch in the face to wake up today. Not, like, not literally, just ginger beer is fine. I was going to say, I mean... <laughs> You're in Florida. You could hire someone. I wouldn't even have to hire him. Just like, hey, punch me in the face. Just <laughs> hey, punch go me down in the gas face. station. I'll give you a dollar. Face. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll buy you a pack of munchos. Just hit me in the face. All right. <laughs> Giving the homeless work, Ryan. Hey, for a thing of hot talkies, punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the blue. Only the These aren't blue, man. I get another hit for that. <laughs> All right, speaking of punches home, punching homeless people in the face, <laughs> I mean, homeless people punching other people in the face for money. Special guest, special guest today is the creator of Bum Fights. <laughs> oh, no, not that guy. That guy's fucking awful. Uh, today, boys, we're going to be talking about one of the largest heists in U.S. history. Oh, man. Is this the Cayo Perico heist? The Lufthansa heist? It's the Lufthansa. Uh, Lufthansa. <gasps> Hansa fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the Luke Hansa heist. I fucking love Goodfellas. Hey, listen, where's the gabagoo? <laughs> that guy walks in with, he's got like the mink coat on his wife, and fucking uh, Jimmy the Gent is just like, what the fuck's the matter with you? What did I tell you? <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's not far coat. off from reality. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. No, I know the whole story. It's going to be great. I love it. I know the basics. I know these clowns went to, like, rob Lufthansa, and then they, they like, got away with it, and then, like, one of them killed everybody else because, like, the best-kept secret between a bunch of people is if they're all dead or some shit. I, something like that. But I know that this is a good one because Goodfellas told me it is every time I watch Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, but the Lufthansa heist, it was allegedly planned uh, by James Burke, um, who is uh, who was an associate of the uh, Lucchese uh, crime family um, out of uh, New York City. Yeah, Lucchese. Yeah, Jimmy the Gent. Um, and it was also uh, believed to be carried out by uh, several associates of his. Um, we're not entirely sure exactly uh, who was all involved. Like, we have a good idea. Um, but for a number of uh, things that will uh, come up in this episode, um, a lot of this is just based on uh, testimony of people um, and just things that were said like after the fact, uh, much after by people involved or possibly uh, related to it. Because the most reliable person you could ever speak to is a retired mafioso. Those guys never lie, ever. <laughs> they're so full. There's so much like bullshit when they're talking. It's just ridiculous, you know? 
they don't care about money and trying to write a book and all that. They're just like, giving it to you. They're straight shooters is what I'm trying to say. Sammy the Bull and Michael Francis are like the two most prolific ones around right now. And uh, they were, they're fun to like listen to if you're into that mafia shit. But they're mm-hmm. awful people who fucking definitely are not telling you everything and flat out lying a lot of the time. So Yeah. I also kind of feel like, too, that within the mafia, that there's just like designated guys, kind of like, you know, like UFO disclosure, that there's designated guys that they just let talk. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but it's possible. I mean, it would, it would almost would make sense at this point. Well, it, the, the way I see it is that you have guys that are like, they're allowed to like talk about this stuff because they're not going to incriminate anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, Francis like they, isn't incriminating anyone. Uh, neither is, uh, What's it called? Sammy the Bull. I mean, if anything, they're just making asses out of themselves. But because the only because the only people they ever incriminate most of the time are people who are already like in in jail and like incriminated or to like hell and back or dead. Yeah. So yeah. so no one that can really be hurt by it. They're yeah. not really they're not really naming names. They're going to put people away. Um, the plot uh, uh, was believed to uh, uh, that uh, began with a bookmaker, uh, Martin Krugman who told uh, uh, one of Burke's associates, one Henry Hill, um, you know, the main character from Goodfellas, um, that the German airline Lufthansa uh, was flying in uh, currency to its cargo terminal in um, in JFK International Airport. Henry Hill, as I must remind everybody, who is a snitch. But go ahead, keep going. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge snitch. The, he died a few years ago, actually, but he used to go on Howard Stern all the time. It's fucking hilarious. No, he's he's making like YouTube videos. <laughs> Come on, dog, stop it. <laughs> he's like he's like OJ on on Twitter or uh, just, <laughs> just making those videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the information had originally come from a uh, a Lewis uh, Werner who was a airport uh, worker uh, who owed Krugman uh, twenty thousand dollars in in gambling debts, uh, which is the equivalent to around uh, ninety seven thousand dollars in today's money. <laughs> Christ, how you get that deep with the mob? Oh my God! <laughs> um, and originally, originally, by being a degenerate gambler, <laughs> <laughs> just like holy yeah. shit, bro. After the, like, a, listen, if I look at if I was dumb enough to try to place bets with like a mob bookie, bro, I would stop at like twenty bucks. Like I'm not gonna anything crazy. Twenty thousand, bro. You're they're gonna break your fucking legs. <laughs> yeah, the fucking vig is like hundred percent. You ain't hitting that parlay for $97,000. I'm sorry. It's just nah. not happening. <laughs> he, he just really wanted into the VIP room. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, and also, his coworker, uh, Peter Grunwald, was involved. Um, the, to make matters worse that they're even that far into debt to the mob, um, both uh, Werner and, and Grunwald had previously uh, stolen around $22,000 in foreign currency um, from Lufthansa in 1976. This is, again, the equivalent of around $113,000 in today's money. Good Lord. Um, Henry Hill was most likely told about this because he had previously carried out what was called the Air France heist, um, which was the largest uh, uh, robbery at that time uh, before the uh, Lufthansa heist went through. Okay. Um, That that happened in April of 1967 um, because at that time, uh, Air France was the carrier of American currency that had been exchanged in Southeast Asia. With the Vietnam War going on at that time in 1967, you can see that this was a very lucrative operation to have to be the currency exchanger. So they're basically just flying cash, like cold hard cash? Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and the uh, airline had contracted uh, to return uh, the money uh, to the U.S. to deposit into American banks. Um, the money itself was usually carried in linen bags, which contained around $60,000 each, um, and Air France shipped up to $1 million per week in this manner. Uh, the money was stored in a cement block strong room uh, with a round-the-clock private security guard. Uh, according to uh, Robert uh, McMahon, uh, who worked for uh, Air France's cargo operation, uh, they regularly delivered three or four $60,000 packages at a time, and he told Henry Hill that three or four men with pistols could easily steal it. Hmm. Um uh, although it was difficult to predict when the money would be there, um, so uh, doing a stick-up in this fashion would, was considered risky. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Hill decided to do, that it would be better to steal the key so that they could attempt to steal the money at a moment's notice without tipping off Air France um, uh, that they knew about the money. Okay. Um, their reconnaissance um, into this revealed that the most difficult obstacle would be the security guard, who always kept the key on him, even on his days off. Um, After uh, breaking into the guard's house to look for any uh, potential uh, vulnerabilities, uh, they they found that the man was a womanizer. (laughs) No shit. Wow, (laughs) this is going to be hard to get a key from him. Um, So uh, uh, McMahon um, introduced the guard to an expensive escort at the uh, Jade East Motel located near JFK Airport. Mm -hmm. Um, In time, uh, the guard and the escort would become intimate. Um, And after a number of uh, runs uh, using her, uh, he and the escort, uh, or McMahon and the escort, were able to distract the guard long enough uh, for Hill to retrieve the key uh, from his pants and make a copy of the key, Uh, which which I believe is in Goodfellas. Yeah. Oh, but that kind of escort. I thought you meant like Ford Escort, like the (laughs) old car. (laughs) He was trying to trade that for the key and he he just wasn't having it. Okay. Now let me show you a fine car, my friend. (laughs) This thing has a has a neck breaking eighty five rear wheel horsepower. Okay, you can't get you, that it's got a car. Neck no. breaking. No, you are <laughs> you aren't gonna believe the type of women you're gonna get with this car, pal. You can't even drive this car; it'll kill you. You'll break your neck. <laughs> Whiplash, man. Um, McMahon had received a notice that between uh, $400,000 and $700,000 would be delivered on Friday, April 7th, 1967. Um, He said that the best time for the actual robbery would be just before midnight, when the security guard would be on his meal break. Um, On the day of the robbery, Hill um, and Tommy uh, DeSimone uh, drove to the uh, Air France cargo terminal at JFK uh, with an empty suitcase, uh, the largest one that uh, Hill could find. Tommy DeSimone... Tommy DeSimone, played by uh, uh, Joe Pesci. Yes. Yep. At 11.40 p.m., they enter the Air France uh, cargo terminal. Uh, McMahon said that they they should just walk in, as people often came to the terminal um, to pick up lost luggage. Yeah, you just got to, like, look like you're there, you know? Like, that's how how you fit in. I I had some friends. That's how you wedding crash. I had some friends uh, in China. Uh, Tiger Woods was playing at a local like golf course in the middle of nowhere, mm. and they uh, drove out there on their scooters and they 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 put on suits and they they hopped the fence to the golf course and they just uh, they they had a clipboard and they just walked around like they were officials and nobody like questioned them. Yeah, that's all you need is like it's a cra- social engineering, dude. Mm-hmm. It's literally a form of social engineering because like 
you know, if you're doing it the right way, people just, they don't think twice. I, I have to warn our customers about it all the time at my job because, uh, you know, anybody could call up and say, yeah, I'm calling from, we're your IT company, you know? And then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you want to remote in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's sure. how the MGM Grand got hacked, essentially. Wait, yeah, MGM they Grand got hacked? When was that? I'll send you an article. It was like a yeah. month ago. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. And it was it after was, like a 40-minute phone call or something like that. Yeah, it was just a support call. It's fucking stupid. That's hilarious. But people These are hackers. dumb, dude. They just These don't hackers. pay attention. If you look like you fit in, they don't pay attention. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's not like hackers are getting smarter. Like, you hear people be like, oh, it's people are getting smarter. No, it's not like getting smarter. It's the same 70%. shit. It's just you're dumber. There's some <laughs> stupid number out there, but it's like 70, 60 to 70% of all hacks are just some like secretary or some like low line worker just giving out their credentials and then you get a foothold and you form lateral escalation you find vulnerabilities on the local network and you just go crazy from there and if you're a nation state you can take your time you can spend so much time getting the foothold and setting up advanced persistent threats and all that shit it's ridiculous my favorite Scary. thing is the people who find a USB stick in the parking lot and just, yeah, just, plug, it bar, just plug it in. First of <laughs> like, all, don't, to our audience of six, don't ever do that. <laughs> and then on top of that, not only is it bad from the perspective of it could be like malware or something, but it could also be the little bombs like they put in there, which will just fry your freaking USB port. Oh, I thought like, you meant like a real bomb. I was no, like, no, no. It's like a, it's like a USB. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like a hot shot. Though you plug it in, and it just um, it just basically yeah. just lights on fire. <laughs> like so, you never want to plug those things in ever. It's stupid. Wow. Anyway, they didn't have USB in the Lufthansa heist, so let's keep going. De Simone and Hill uh, entered the area um, unchallenged. Um, they were able to unlock the door with the duplicate key, um, and they were able to quickly find seven of the bags, which they loaded into the suitcase and left. Uh, no alarms were raised, uh, no shots were fired, and no one was injured. Um, the theft was not discovered until the following Monday, when a Wells Fargo truck arrived to pick up the cash um, to deliver it uh, to a uh, French America to the French American Banking Corporation. So the money um, was just what sitting on a table behind a locked door. That's it. Pretty much, like not in a safe or anything. It was like a it was like a storage room. Like apparently they like they without like they they used like a small flashlight and just found the bags. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, they deserve and, to get robbed. <laughs> and and apparently this this also like sort of like uh sort of set up like Hill's like like sort of like middle level like mob career because he gave them like a taste of the heist mm. and that like ingratiated them to to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the uh, Lufthansa heist, uh, Burke selected uh, Tommy again, uh, Angelo uh, Sepe, uh, uh, Luis uh, Cafora, uh, Joe Manry, uh, Paolo Lacastri, and Robert uh, McMahon to carry out the robbery. Uh, Burke's son, uh, Frank, uh, would drive one of the backup vehicles, while one uh, Parnell Stacks Edwards was tasked with disposing the van afterwards. Stacks. Stacks, uh, stacks. Uh, depending uh, on their uh, role in the uh, robbery, each participant would receive cuts of between ten thousand and fifty thousand dollars. Ooh, okay. And this is nineteen seventy-eight, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot of money. Significant money. Right? It's a lot of money now, but like, it's a shitload of money then. 
Um, uh, so this was all depending uh, on the amount on their estimated haul, uh, which was um, which was only uh, two million dollars compared to what they would actually take in the robbery, which was five point eight uh, five point um, eight hundred seventy five million dollars. Um, uh, Werner was to receive a flat ten uh, percent of the take of the heist. Ten percent, yes, five hundred grand. Mm-hmm. It's enough to cover his uh, how much money he owes to the mob, and then then probably end up in debt for like two times that <laughs> and immediately then afterwards. The rest of it. Yeah. Now I'm going to parlay this because it's a windfall. So I'm going to parlay this, <laughs> and I'm going to bet the Jets. I'm going to take. I'm not even going to take the points. I'm going to bet the Jets money line. They're going to win. Yeah, you might as well just burn that money. <laughs> Uh, at around uh, 3 a.m. on Monday, December 11th, 1978, a black Ford Econoline van carrying the six members of the robbery crew pulled Classic. up to building two, uh, pulled, up, uh, pulled up to building uh, 261, uh, which was uh, Lufthansa's uh, cargo terminal at uh, JFK. After cutting the padlock at the gate with a pair of bolt cutters, uh, some of the crew climbed up the stairs of the East Tower and entered wearing ski masks and gloves. Uh, a late model Buick was positioned in the terminal's parking lot with its lights off. Hi, we're here to pick up the snow and various <laughs> hockey equipment. That's why we dress like this. <laughs> they got like a Buick Grand National parked outside. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore the car. Ignore it. <laughs> well, you got such a fast car out there, guys. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, I like to live fast. You know, fast cars, faster women. That's what I always say. Do your yeah, job. So about I'll that hockey mine, equipment. <laughs> Um, inside the terminal, uh, John Murray, a senior cargo agent, was the first employee that they took hostage. He was escorted into the lunchroom, uh, where five other Lufthansa employees had been um, on their meal break uh, since 3 o'clock a.m. and ordered to uh, lay flat on the floor with their eyes closed. Uh, Murray was then asked who else was in the warehouse. He replied that one, uh, Rudy uh, Eric, Giuliani. the... Uh, the uh, night shift cargo uh, traffic manager and one uh, Carrie uh, Whalen, a cargo transfer agent, were present. Uh, Murray was forced to lure um, Eric to the uh, uh, to come upstairs, uh, and he joined the rest of the uh, the employees being held hostage. Hmm. Um, outside the terminal, uh, Whalen noticed two unmasked men sitting in a black van uh, parked at the loading ramp as he drove past. Uh, Whalen parked um, and walked toward the van or one of the men told him to get in the van. Uh, Whalen attempted to run and screamed for help, uh, but was pistol-whipped and thrown into the van. Can't get um, help, buddy. Everybody else is upstairs in the uh, in, in the room. All the hostages have already been taken. He's the last one. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's, it's like the dumbest thing. They just... It's uh, so, so ridiculous. Like, Everybody's so much of this story <laughs> is like how incompetent the people were that were even in charge of the thing, by the way. Because it's not like the mafia is like running a splinter cell operation, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's like, you know, these guys just, just like, oh, here, I noticed a strange van. I'm going to walk up by myself. You got all these hostages that are yeah. sitting there, and they're like, you know, well, downstairs. And two no situational away. awareness. They, you know? <laughs> they can hear this guy screaming. <laughs> they're like It'll, rolling their eyes. They're like, yeah, listen, he's busted. Come on, just get him up. Well, you know, it's 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 New York in the 70s, so New York half the, the city looks pretty bad, yeah. 
half the city looks like Berlin after the war. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, scream and start again. <laughs> just, just turns up the radio or like the, the Carol Burnett show he's watching on like his, his like portable TV. I'm going to go to windows. church in the morning. That's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Um, so he was uh, he was brought inside uh, the building uh, to join the other hostages. Um, meanwhile, in the warehouse, um, an employee, uh, Ralph or Rolf uh, Redman, um, heard a noise by the loading ramp and went to investigate. Uh, he was then also captured and brought with Whale into the lunchroom to join the others. Um, they, uh, some of the robbers also took uh, Irik uh, at gunpoint to the double door vault. Um, they removed around seventy two. Uh, 15 pound cartons of untraceable money from the vault and placed them inside the van. Unbelievable. At 4.21 a.m., the van pulled into the front of the building and the crash car pulled in behind. Uh, two gunmen climbed in the van as the others climbed into the Buick. Uh, the employees were told not to call the Port Authority police until 4.30 a.m. when the first emergency call was recorded. Uh, the robbers drove to be Burke at an auto repair shop um, in uh Connerice, uh, uh, Brooklyn, uh, where the uh, boxes of money were removed from the van and Canarsie. placed into trucks. Uh, Canarsie, Brooklyn, where the boxes of money were removed from the van and placed in the trunks of two automobiles. Yeah, Canarsie, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, what do you play for Canarsie? Not a Cornwall <laughs> Dragons. Uh, the uh, that friggin' jerky boys call six two yeah. two. They call me Big Hawk. <laughs> uh, Burke and his son uh, drove off in, in one car uh, four others, uh, Manry, McMahon uh, uh, DeSimone and, uh, and Sepe uh, drove away in the second car uh, Edwards was instructed to drive the van to New Jersey uh, where it, along with any other uh, potential evidence inside, was to be destroyed in a junkyard belonging to one John Gotti um, instead, he parked the black van in front of a fire hydrant at his girlfriend's apartment, where the police discovered it two days after the heist. Um, the plates uh, were stolen, and the police impounded the van. Uh, they soon found Edward's fingerprints and connected it to the robbery. And everything starts to unravel. <laughs> Busted. Here it is. I mean, that's that's it. Like, that's that's it. He's done. I'll tell you right now, whoever that is, he's done. <laughs> He was supposed to destroy it in a junkyard, and he instead parked in front of a fire hydrant. Like, there's a part of me that's like, damn, is that dude a fed? Like, doing it purposely to get caught? Because why would you park in front of a fucking fire hydrant? Especially, like, you're in the city, you know better. Now, guys, like, criminals do that kind of thing all the time. Like, they'll, like, they'll, like, keep a little, yeah, like, keep a little profile, and then they'll, which, which, again, will come up. But, uh, just, just like, you know, they take unnecessary risks, you know, they're, they're like driving erratically or whatever when they're when they're like a stolen vehicle or or a heist car. Yeah, it's like they're robbing a bank with like like, like Steve said, like they're robbing a bank with a fucking Countach instead of like you know <laughs> instead yeah. of like a Crown Vic, like something low key, bro. Like, why are you so flashy? Uh, uh, uh Capo, uh, Paul uh, Vario, um, ordered uh, De Simone to kill Edwards. Ah, see. <laughs> Uh, once they found out where he was hiding, uh, Di Simone and Sepe uh, went to his hideout and shot him five times in the head. Overkill. Not necessary. <laughs> I feel like one would have done it. <laughs> well, I, well, I think also, like, Mafia style was also probably, like, sending a message. Mm-hmm. 
Um, within three days of the robbery, uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation identified the Burke crew as the likely perpetrators, uh, largely due to the discovery of the van, uh, coupled with Edwards' uh, pre-established connections uh, with the crew um, at uh, Robert's Lounge, uh, which was the uh, the establishment that they would operate out of. Okay. Um, FBI agents would set up heavy surveillance. Uh, following the crew in helicopters and bugging their vehicles, um, the phones at Robert's Lounge, um, and even the payphones nearest to the bar. Uh, the FBI managed to record a few bits of uh, chatter, um, uh, despite the background noise in the establishment, such as Sepe telling an unidentified man about a, quote-unquote, a brown case and a bag from Lufthansa, and him telling his girlfriend, I want to see, look where the money is at, dig a hole in the cellar, uh, and some of it was garbled, uh, rear lawn. I swear to God, these dudes can't shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) That's the biggest problem. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, just shut the fuck. Take your money and just disappear. Just disappear. Shut up and disappear. Um, So despite having this evidence of them talking about these things, there's obviously not enough to connect them to the heist. And they were not able or did issue any search warrants. Uh, When Whalen was interviewed by authorities, um, he was shown police archive photos and positively identified one of his assailants as Sepe. Uh, Irik later reported that the robbers were well-informed and knew all the safety systems in the vault, including the double door system, whereby one door must be shut in order for the other one to be opened without activating the alarm. The robbers had ordered Irik to open up um, open up the first door to a uh, 10 by 20 uh, foot room. They knew that if he opened the second door, he would activate an alarm to the Port Authority um, police uh, unit that was at the airport. Okay. It was uh, after this uh, point uh, that Hill notes, um, uh, one Henry Hill noted in, in later um, recollections of this, and also I believe as part of his uh, testimonies, uh, that Burke became paranoid once he realized how much attention that Edwards uh, had brought upon them uh, with his failure to destroy the video uh, or destroy the uh, van. Um, and resolve. Video. Uh oh. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no video involved. Aww. Um, that uh, with him uh, not destroying the van and like them connecting everything, uh, so he resolved to kill anyone who could implicate him in the heist. Yeah, just Moltisanti walking around with a handy cam in 1978, walking around <laughs> the fucking Lufthansa. Yeah, <laughs> just, just I must be loyal to my capo. <laughs> you know. It's got a super eight, got a super eight camera. You guys, this was the best. Can you, can you do the heist one more time? The first time <laughs> didn't really work for me. He's got a sound gap. He's got like a lighting gaffer and a sound guy. Like he's holding the boom mic over him as he's like pistol whipping the guy. <laughs> you just hear from the side like cut, cut. Uh, all right, all stop right, it. This ain't gonna work. And, and get the mic closer. I didn't hear the whip. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so it's with the subsequent murder of most of his uh, heist associates and those involved in the planning, uh, little uh, little evidence and a few witnesses uh, could connect Burke and his crew to the heist. Um, and uh, d- despite this, authorities were eventually able to gather enough evidence to prosecute uh, Werner uh, for helping plan the heist. Uh, Werner was the only man convicted of the robbery and in 1979 was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Mm, got him. Um, uh, Lucchese family uh, associate uh, Donald uh, Francos later expressed uh, frustration with being a close friend of Burke's and a regular, um, uh, a regular person at Robert's Lounge, but was not involved in the heist. 
Um, of the people killed, uh, the first one, uh, as mentioned, was one uh, Parnell Stephen Stax Edwards, who was killed on December 18, 1978. I believe um, he was portrayed by um, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was killed a- about a week after the heist happened. Um, he was a uh, blues musician, a credit card theft expert, and a getaway van driver. Um, I, I don't really know how you can be a credit card theft expert in like 1978. I guess you're just really good at working, uh, working like those, uh, those, uh, carbon sheets. Yeah. I'm about to say like, you remember the old, like, <laughs> oh, dude, especially the, it, it sticks out of my head from home alone too, when he's checking into the hotel with his dad's credit card and it like goes over that little like manual credit card reader. Like it's not electronic back then. So I guess if you could find a way to mess with those carbon sheets and like just kind of make up a credit card number, you're, you're in there. I think they usually called the credit card company just to check. Uh, you think? Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they always did it. I, th- I think that there was like, cause, cause obviously that would take a long time if they have to like call up the credit card company and like, and make sure. God, could you imagine black Friday and they got to call every, pl- every person <laughs> buying with a credit card. They got to call. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, the second person to be killed was one, uh, Martin Krugman who was killed on January 6, <laughs> 1979. Uh, he was a Russian Jewish associate of Berks and Hills, and owner of a wig shop and men's hair salon, both named for men only in Queens. Well, that wasn't the only thing going on in those shops. Yeah. Uh, he was the first one to take Henry, off. Um, Henry, Jimmy, Jimmy, I need my money. Jimmy, where's my money? I just need the money. I've waited. Henry, it's like one of the best been, fucking. Been things very patient. Stop busting my chops, like Jesus. Um, he uh, he was as mentioned was the one to tip off Burke. Uh, via Hill about the uh, about the heist at the terminal, um, he was eventually murdered and dismembered by Burke and Sepe in in Asaro's fence factory. Um, after uh, after he became increasingly nervous and also for his angry demands for his five hundred thousand dollar cut of the heist, um, which as Steve mentioned is is depicted in the film, it convinced Burke that he was about to inform the FBI since he had not gotten his money. Oh my god! Um, his body was never found. And in 1986, he was declared legally dead. Um, his wife, Fran, received a $135,000 payout from his life insurance company. Mm. So all Fran would have had to do is tell the mob earlier, hey, listen, he's going to tell on y'all. Got rid of him, and she would have got her payout way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And then they probably would have killed her because they knew she knew about it. Yep. That's true. Oh. Which, 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 which we'll find out doesn't, doesn't, uh, like like just knowing about it and being like the the spouse of the person that that doesn't save you. Um, so I, uh, I, I feel like the homeboy in the wire from that fucking meme. Where I'm just like, oh <laughs> shit, yeah, she ain't supposed to know about this. Oh, okay, yeah, Weebay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he goes when he goes to the the copy shop, yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, the next person to be killed was one Richard Eaton. He was killed on January 17th, 1979. He was a Florida-based con artist and associate of one Tom uh, Monteleone. Um, he was uh, uninvolved with the actual heist, uh, but was tortured and murdered by Burke after absconding with $250,000 of his money in a fake cocaine scam and mm. skimmed some of the take while it was laundered through various legitimate establishments, including uh, Monteleone's uh, club. Also, you said he was a con artist. You don't have to say he's from Florida. You just repeat yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a tautology. <laughs> um, Eaton's body was found hogtied and hanged um, in a meat uh, freezer truck. Jesus. 
Uh, Burke was eventually convicted of Eaton's murder in 1985 and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Okay. Um, the next one was one Tom Monteleone in March of 1979. He was a Florida-based restaurateur, uh, mobster, and associate of Eaton's. Uh, like, he imagine the- you, you basically, you get like a flute, like, I'm sorry, not a flute, you get like a, uh, like a domino thing set up, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, you just knock them all down. That's essentially what's about to happen. <laughs> like, we got this whole system set up, it's perfect, and then somebody just kicks the first one and that's it. It's it's just like that Wayne's World thing of like they tell two people and they, they tell, two, tell people. two people, yeah. But but it's it's like it, he, <laughs> kills one. One. he kills that's two very, people yeah. and then they kill two people and then <laughs> that's a good analogy. Um, but uh, Montalione owned the Players Club, which was a local bar frequented by the Burke gang members, and was accused by Burke of conspiring with Eaton and Ferreira on a fake cocaine deal and skimming off part of the take while wandering it through his club. Yeah, it's a problem. Uh, another one to be killed in March of 1979 was one uh, Louis Cafora, a Brooklyn parking lot owner and money launderer. Cafora um, had been Burke's cellmate in prison and was contracted by Burke to launder some of the take through his collection of legitimate lots. Cafora's uh, indiscriminate, gaudy lifestyle and insistence on informing his wife Joanna about mob business, including the heist, eventually led to Burke ordering both of them to be murdered. Uh, within days of the heist and against Burke's orders, Gafora bought his wife a custom pink Cadillac Fleetwood with his cut the of the money. Yeah, rented a fucking Mary K car now. Yeah, bought his wife a fucking Mary K car, which I which I think is the car Elvis bought his mother. Probably because yeah. they always they always talk about Elvis bought his mother a pink Cadillac. I think it was a Cadillac Fleetwood, probably a much earlier model. What? But yeah, hey, listen, guys, we just pulled this huge fucking robbery. Y'all be low key, don't buy nothing too flashy. And here I come showing up in a fucking Ferrari F fifty. Like what? <laughs> and to make matters and to make matters worse, uh, they drove it to a meeting just blocks from the uh, JFK airport where the FBI was still investigating the heist. They're just driving um, by all like the old school FBI agents, and they're just like just staring at him as they drive by. <laughs> it's, just, oh, it's, just, it's so stupid. Uh, both he, this yellow, ca- this uh, pink Cadillacs coming from. Like Jimmy Burke was a, was a sociopath, and I don't advocate anyone killing anyone, but you almost understand, you know? <laughs> just fucking bunch of idiots. <laughs> Literally, just just idiots. Hey, don't spend nothing on nothing too even, flashy. Even comes Henry the Hill, like, with a brand new wardrobe. They kind of like they kind of make him tragic a little, like not really, but like in in Goodfellas, but you almost feel bad, you know? But he was a fucking drug addict. It yeah, like most of the time, he's just coked out. Yeah. The mafia is just full of idiots, just dumbasses. Not they're all not, of them, but they're just violent. A lot That's of all them. they are. Yeah, they're just violent and willing to. A do A lot violence. of criminals are just yeah. And the problem with crime too is again, you only got to fuck up one time, and the cops will be all over you if they're investigating. So it's like, mm-hmm. forget it. You killed us, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do, Karen? <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but Lewis and and Joanna. Um, their bodies were never found. It's believed that they were killed in March of 1979. Mm-hmm. Uh, one uh, Joe uh, Buddha uh, Manry. Joe um, Buddha. What? <laughs> pump, pump, pump it up. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was killed on May 15th, 1979. He was a night shift Air France cargo supervisor. He was a longtime Burke associate and was his inside man who helped him play in the heist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was repeatedly offered the opportunity to turn state's evidence and enter the witness protection uh, program, as was fellow airport worker Robert uh, McMahon. 
um, which is an offer both of them refused. Um, Manry would be found uh, uh, found dead in a parked car alongside McMahon five months after the heist, shot execution style in the back of the head. Here's the so fucked up part, right? Like, I'm not... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there's more than six people involved in this then. I thought it was, like, just a very small amount of people. Well, there's, there's also even people who were involved who weren't killed uh, uh, like by Burke and, and sort of like to, to cover things up. There were also ones who just ended up dying of like other other things that were just like mob-related lifestyle yeah. deaths. Mm, interesting. I literally thought there was only like five, six people involved total. Like this is a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you one, interrupted me. It gave me time to second guess. I was going to say like I don't even mind if the mob like has a big score like that. Like they steal just flat out cash from like a government or something. I don't really care. Like yeah, I'm, I'm actually proud of them. But like yeah. at the same time, it's like just what are you doing? Like <laughs> like you knew the heat was going to be – I just can't get past that. Like you knew it was going to be like a total shit show for a while. Like what are you doing, you know? Again, my favorite thing is don't be flashy. Eliminated. And this fucking pink Cadillac that's 37 feet long comes around with the horn. Hey, how'd you pay for that? The job I don't have. Okay. You never believe this. I got a business opportunity for you. It's called Mary Kay. You sell <laughs> Mary Kay. You sell yeah. cosmetics. He's, he's I'm dressed. He's makeup. dressed like. Do- he's just this schlubby, like schlubby, like older guy, just dressed like Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like gold chains and rings, like like really flashy, expensive suit. Oh God. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, Paolo uh, Lucastri would be killed on June 13th, 1979. Uh, he was a, a legal immigrant, a Sicilian-born uh, pizza connection drug trafficker, and a Gambino crime family associate. Uh, while he was not involved in the actual heist, he was a liaison from the Gambino crime family, whose job was to oversee uh, the plans and ensure that the Gambinos would receive their $200,000 cut of the heist. Um, his naked and blood riddled corpse was discovered on a burning uh, trash heap six months after the heist. He didn't even do anything. He was just like the guy to make sure it all went. Th- He's like the foreman. He was like the construction <laughs> foreman. He's just there to make sure shit goes correctly. And they killed him for that. Why? Well, I guess his thing was because he was sure. supposed to get the money for the Gambinos, get their get their tastes, their cut of the the heist. He was going to get the and papers. I, get the papers. Yeah. Mm. And and so I guess because they uh, they didn't want to like pay him. They were probably afraid that, like, he was going to rat them out, you know, because, like, how how mob guys would do that. They would rat out people from, like, rival crime families every now and then. Mm. I do take personal offense how everybody's like, ooh, the mob. It's, you know, it's all about trust and loyalty and this and that and family, like, Vin Diesel family. But it's like, dude, all they do is rat on each other and kill each other. That's all they do. Yeah. No, it's 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 just, just a fantasy. Yeah, because it's like uh, Whitey Bulger. Like his, his whole thing, rat that piece of <laughs> fucking shit. Fuck yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he was bad. He was bad in so many ways. That it's not even worth bringing up. You know. It's God, like, we'll do an episode on him at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'll write it. I'll write that. Oh my God. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> um, others that were involved in the planning and execution, um, or the follow up of the heist, um, that that ended up being killed, but not on Burke's orders, um, uh, or were the following. Um, uh, uh, Tommy. Oh boy, here comes uh, a nice thick di- list. Uh, di-, di Simone. He was uh, killed on January 14th, 
Um, he disappeared on January 14th. Uh, um, after having carried out unrelated murders on two maid Gambino uh, family members, one William Billy Batts uh, Benvena and uh, one Ronald Foxy uh, Girothe. I thought you were supposed to kill maid men. Yeah, that's what oh, yeah. happened. He killed a maid man, and you don't do that. And uh, Yeah, in the two movie, of them. that's what he did. <laughs> two two yeah. of the maid men. <laughs> They're like, all right, listen, one, we could probably look the other way, but you did two, so we got to get rid of that. Because that's, the, cause that's the, the scene in the movie where he thinks he's getting... He's getting made, and he walks in the room and realizes he's been set up. Yeah. And shoot him in the head. You can't oh, is even, that him? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Joe yeah, it's, it's Tommy. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't even touch a made man. Like that's the thing. You're not even supposed to like lay hands on him. So that's like when you watch The Sopranos, like when uh, Tony hits Ralph. Um, but it's not the only time he does it. Like he he literally breaks the rules all the time, and those are the rules, right? Yeah. So yeah, because that was that was set up during like the the syndicate years, yeah, I think. Like the commission. Because like in the because like in the yeah yeah because like in the thirties, you could do whatever you wanted as long as it wasn't against your own family members. But then when they they sort of made like the the informal alliance of the five families, mm-hmm. they started codifying rules like that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Uh. Theresa uh, Ferreira, um, who was um who was an occasional uh, mis- mistress of, uh, of Tommy's and associate of both Eaton and uh, Monteleone. Uh, she disappeared on February 10th, 1979. Uh, her dismembered torso was found floating um, in the Barnegat Inlet near Tom's River, New Jersey, um, on May 18th. Ah, uh, Barnegat, yep. I've been Angelo uh, Seppe, uh, Seppe uh, was yeah, killed Angelo on July 18th, 1984. Uh, Lucchese, uh crime family and close associate of Burke, um, uh, Di Simone and uh, Tony Rodriguez. Um, he was uh, he was also responsible for most of the post heist murders. Um, he and his girlfriend uh, were murdered by unknown members of the Lucchese crime family. Uh, reportedly, a week after robbing uh, a Lucchese affiliated drug trafficker of thousands of dollars in cocaine and cash earmarked for the family. You fucking idiots! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rob this fucking drug dealer that's got tens of thousands of dollars that's going to a mafia family. That's genius. <laughs> fucking genius. Not even not even a mob family, your own mob family. <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid. God damn it. These dudes. Such just, oh God, three stooges shit is just out of control with these people. Um, uh, Sepe's uh, 19-year-old girlfriend, uh, Joanna Lombardo, would also be uh, killed on that day as well. No, it's unfortunate. Uh, Frank Burke um, uh, uh, would die on May eighteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Um, he was um, he was murdered uh, by his drug dealer over a botched heroin deal. Or uh, the son of uh, the son of Jimmy Burke, by the way. Right. Um, he would uh, he would be killed in a uh, like a drug deal gone bad over a heroin deal. Oh man, what did Jimmy Burke do to his kid's murderer? Well, he was in prison at the time, but I'm sure he probably like that. Probably it. said something up. Anybody from putting a hit out on somebody? <laughs> yeah, he might have worked something out. Um, but in uh, 1980, uh, Burke was arrested for a parole violation. Um, in April of 1980, uh, Henry Hill was arrested on unrelated narcotics charges. Um, he became convinced that his former associates planned to have him killed, which you know, when you think about it, is probably like. One of those things where you could call him like a like a snitch or a rat, but considering the fact that like your like your closest associate just like murdered like like a baker's dozen of people over just like the loosest associations with one of his crimes, 
um, there's a good chance this guy's gonna like kill you. <laughs> I'm about yeah. to say like, <laughs> yeah, you're talking about Henry Hill, right? Like, not a yeah. real yeah. possibility. There's I'd be scared so, too. You almost don't feel bad for for him uh, ratting, like even though I, I mean I don't really care. I don't want criminals to be around at all, but like I don't feel bad for him ratting at all because it's like, dude, everybody's dying. <laughs> Yeah, but didn't he get his money already? Like, didn't Henry Hill already get his money? He could have yeah, so blew it all on peered. coke. He blew it all on coke, and I don't well, think everyone can... got their cut. Like, I don't think everyone got all of their money. You know. Well, well, yeah, that was that was the reason why uh, um, uh, Krugman got killed. Yeah, was because he wanted he wanted all of his cut, and they hadn't given it all to him. So I guess they were still laundering it. I think that uh, Burke was planning on killing everybody anyway, like because he was a fucking lunatic. So. I, I mean, that's, that's also if you're if you're dealing with this many people, that's one of the only ways to keep everybody quiet. Well, that's it's a great example to explain why most conspiracy theories are full of shit because so many people would have to be quiet for them to be true. Like especially big grand ones, you know, like the moon landing and shit. It's mm-hmm. like so many people would have to like keep their mouth shut that like it's absurd. Well, it's it's like one of the things too. Like uh, not not that they're equivalent like morally, but you have to think about it that your average like like mafia soldier is not that different from a regular soldier. So like the military being involved in like conspiracy theories that like the, these guys are like, are kind of dumb a lot of the time. So they're, they're just going to be telling like some stripper next to the base about, you know, like how they got to ride the UFO last week. So, <laughs> like, so like it's not that much different with these guys, these guys are all bragging and they get off on it because you know, there are people who are like, Oh, you're so cool. You get to deal heroin. That's awesome. I don't think that's a soldier thing. I think that's just a dude thing, like a young. Well, yeah, it's just what eighteen thing. to twenty-seven. You know, like they're just you're just stupid. Well, 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 yeah. It's also like, like sort of like somewhat uneducated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I understand. Like, I just don't want to call yeah. all the troops dumb. You know, well, I'm not calling them dumb. I'm just saying not like that, anyway. that that uneducated like. <laughs> Like college guy, like not yeah. college guy, but like There's just, a lot just of guy in his like twenties, flopping around. Yeah, and it's just kind of like you know they're not going to make the best decision in that moment. Um, and also as well, he was afraid because you know um, he was also you know dealing drugs, um, which uh, people within the family could want him to shut up about that because um, they were still because um, you know this is before they all got shut down, which will be happening very soon. Um, so there was feelings that, you know, he could be the one that could, you know, possibly cut a big hole in their drug operation. So he could have been killed for that as well. Jeez. Um, so with a, with a long prison sentence hanging over him, uh, he agreed to become an informant and enter the witness protection program with his family. That's Henry Hill we're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. Um, he was um, he was not able to uh, help the government uh, obtain convictions against Vario or Burke uh, for the heist although both were convicted of other crimes as a result of his testimony. Oh, man, I thought you were going to say he couldn't actually help him, so he kicked him back out of witness protection and sent him back to New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Other informants that were at the trial was one, uh, Janet uh, Barbieri, uh, Louis Werner's uh, girlfriend and future wife, who testified against Werner uh, before a grand jury. Uh, William Bill uh, Fischetti, a a taxi dispatch company owner and a mob relative who was involved in selling uh, stolen bearer bonds. Uh, Peter uh, Grunwald, uh, one of the uh, Lufthansa heist organizers who testified against his friend and fellow co-worker, Louis Warner. Uh, Frank Mena, uh, a numbers uh, runner who had worked uh, over, who had been worked over by Sepe um, and Daniel Rizzo uh, because of his boss, Martin Krugman's incompetence. Um, and Louis Werner, 
a um, a Manhattan accountant who doubled as a money launderer. Um, I, I believe Lewis Werner was also the other Werner's uh, brother. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, in 1982... <laughs> Um, in 1982, Burke was convicted of conspiracy and sentenced to 12 years in prison for his involvement with the 1978-1979 uh, Boston College basketball point-shaving scandal, um, uh, based primarily on testimony of the former mob associate Henry Hill. Um, there's a, view, there's a uh, video on YouTube, by the way, of like Henry Hill talking about like going into like the details of the scandal, which is actually kind of interesting. Shaving. Yeah, yeah. I watched something about that. I want to say it was like a thirty for thirty ESPN. There was there was a thirty for thirty about point shaving. Yeah, yeah. I think they had mentioned it in that. Then, but yeah, it was it was very interesting because uh, you know f- basketball was one of those ones. Where I was like, how can you really, you know, rig basketball? Because it's I'm not going to say it's luck getting the shot, like getting points and stuff, but it's I feel like if it's a lot easier to rig other sports than it would it's, be for basketball. Ba- it basketball is the is easiest sport. Incredibly easy. It is the easiest sport, professional but, sport, to. Like, I, hate the uh, but I never thought of the refs, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. never thought of the refs being that actual. Oh, like point. Tim Donahue? Yeah, like those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Because you well, can look the, at somebody and be like, hey, you got to beat this team, right? And the other team's not going to like actively throw the game, but you got to beat them, which means you got to be good. You know what I'm saying? Unless they're like, hey, you got you to lose. But then if like you're a LeBron, how do you lose and make it look good if you lose into somebody like some like triple A team? Well, it's always, the, it's always the easiest way for them to do it is always the numbers. So they don't they don't get the, uh, the, the spreads. That's what the whole point shaving thing is. Yeah. Right. But like, again, it's you got to make it look good while doing that. Well, yeah. What, what he's saying is that the for a player to do that, to like mess up purposely. It's because it's like the Chicago Black Sox. We talked about them that even though they all got in trouble for for cheating, essentially, you couldn't actually prove that they actually cheated because it's really hard to to cheat and make it look, you know, like like you meant to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially at a high level of sports. Yeah, because yeah, because a lot of times when I read about like um, ridiculous like like soccer fixing that goes on in like um, in like China or or, or in Africa. It's like incredibly obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like taking flops that are like real obvious. Like, why'd you do it just right there, right now? Or like very, very lopsided scores that are like <laughs> statistically impossible to happen. Yeah, like North, like North, North like Kim Jong Un scores, you know? Yeah. It's football scores and soccer. It's like 21 7. You're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened here? <laughs> um, in 1982, uh, like I said, Burke was uh, convicted. Uh, Hill's testimony in the federal court resulted in a total of 50 convictions um, in this and other cases, um, including those of uh, Burke um, and their boss, uh, one uh, capo uh, Paul uh, Barrio. Uh, While uh, Burke was serving that sentence, uh, he was also charged with the 1979 murder of the drug dealer uh, Richard Eaton that we talked about. Uh, He was convicted at trial um, in which Hill testified and was sentenced to um, in 1985 to a further uh, 20 years in prison. Uh, Burke was serving his sentence at, uh, at, uh, is it Wend or, or Wendy Correctional Facility? No, I don't know. Um, in, uh, Alden, New York, uh, when, uh, when he developed cancer. He died on April 13th, 1996, uh, while being treated at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center in Buffalo, New York. Um, or had did he, he? Or was <laughs> he just thrown out the window and driven away by his mafia associates, never to be seen again? <laughs> No, I think he died of cancer for him. <laughs> um, uh, they got lived? him with cancer. 
He was, <laughs> just kept, he was living next. Sorry. They just kept giving him, you know, sugar-free lifesavers. <laughs> he, uh, they gave him a lot of seed next... oil. <laughs> somebody, give me somebody, somebody, somebody give me cancer's address, all right? I want cancer dead tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I want him dead. I want his family dead. <laughs> I want his associates dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, had he lived, he would have been up, uh, eligible for parole on March 11th, 2004. Jeez. You think he would have got he was uh he was buried at uh, St. Charles Cemetery in East Farmingdale, New York. You think you would have got it in 04? That you would have got paroled? I mean, uh, probably well, not. Michael Francis's <laughs> uh dad got out. Well, he served his whole sentence though. <laughs> he served the entire fucking sentence. God damn. Yeah, I don't think I don't think like any of these guys are getting parole. Sonny Francis, he died at like 102 or something. Jesus. I don't want to live that long. Uh, you know, it depends, yeah. you know. At 100, listen, at 100, my am body's still, falling apart at 37, okay? Am I still? 100? <laughs> 103, sorry. Crazy. He died in 2020, by the way. That's Michael Francis' I can't, dad. I can't, no way, absolutely. Uh, no. In Goodfellas, Michael Francis is at the bar. They actually mention him in the movie. They're like, Mikey Francis, how you doing? Like that? It's, in the, it's yeah. when he's introducing all the people? Yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. His dad's a fucking legend. Never ratted. Live to be 103. Just, well, you know, it was all those. It was all those home cooked meals in prison. You know, that yeah. got him through it. <laughs> he was probably the closest thing to an actual like mafiosi who uh, um, followed the rules, didn't rat, and uh, did everything like the quote unquote right way. Probably the yeah. closest. Yeah, you don't see very I mean, many. You find of those guys, Tony. Every now and um, Tony. Um, uh, the guy that in uh, in Chicago, the outfit, um, Tony Cipriati, Tony Accardo, he's the other one. Yep. Yeah, never ratted, never really Ricardo. got caught. <laughs> Big tuna. I feel like the guys that follow the rules are ended up being the most successful because you don't hear about them. That's the which, point, which, right? Like, yeah. that's the thing right now is apparently the mob's still like pretty popular, and uh, it's still I'm mean, not popular, but it's still pretty um, active, and they're just way quieter which is smart <laughs> i don't know that i believe that they're still active i think that no they're active some... dude they just got <laughs> caught like uh, that one dude that was uh still running things he got fucking he got killed by that wackadoo um yeah the QAnon ago, guy the QAnon guy killed him yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean like i don't think like yeah they're still around but i don't think they're still doing things like they were doing back in the 70s and 80s like i uh, think those the, the glory days are gone now it's yeah just, well you know. i mean there's there never should have been glory days though right <laughs> right <laughs> that's I the mean, thing well, that was, it shouldn't have existed well that, that's the also the the way the commerce is done with like without cash and you know without like physical valuable things everything's electronics get now. that it's, ransomware you know, dime dude <laughs> Oh man, now I know who, who hacked Sony. Now I know who hacked Sony and stole my fucking account details. An Italian flag goes across your screen. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> they got me again. Goddamn mafia. <laughs> just trying to play I'm trying, trying to play Counter Strike. God damn it. Just Frank Sinatra just starts blaring out of your TV. It's like this will continue until you give us the Bitcoin. <laughs> Well, I think a thing too that comes up that that's that's sort of like unspoken, but you but you see threads of it all the time is that the like the mafia was actively in like collusion 
with like the United States government until like the mid sixties. Like a lot of stuff with like Cuba where they're working, like the CIA was working with them and that like, they got away with a lot of stuff because, you know, uh, they, they were doing stuff for like the CIA and operations and like Cuba and uh, other places. Mm -hmm. So they, so they got, so they essentially got a pass and the government was sort of working with them and looking the other way. Cause the same thing happens all the time too, with like, guys from like South America where they come to the U S and they, they like commit murders against like political uh, opponents and, and they get away with it because, because the second they get caught, the police, like they, they find out that like people from the federal government show up and then they, they shut down the case. So that's why the, the mafia is always brought up when you talk about the, who killed JFK. Well, well, yeah. Cause like Cuba was their Island. It was like, it was like mafia Disney, like, like more so, like, 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 like more so than like Las Vegas because like they didn't have to follow like U.S. laws there that they could just buy off the government and do whatever they wanted and they just ran these casinos and they were involved in everything else. Huh. I didn't realize that they were that involved in Cuba. And you and you think about it too, like Cuba, like, uh, like controlling, like having access to the ports and stuff like that. You have a you have a very corrupt government of a foreign country where you can move in items from like South America, like cocaine and other things. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And it's it's not to say that the mafia like absolutely controlled Cuba, but they were just so entrenched in there that like them losing Cuba was like enough that they're like we we need to like overthrow the government of this country. Jesus Christ, they're ruining our vacation spot. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more, no more my ties on the beach. Get rid of them. Um, on February 9th, nineteen eighty four, uh, uh, Vario was convicted of defrauding the federal government. Um, Hill testified that uh, Vario had arranged a fictitious restaurant job for him uh, so that he could be uh, released from federal prison. Uh, Vario was convicted, and on April uh, 3rd, 1984, he was sentenced to four years in federal prison and fined $10,000. That's it? Um, but on February 21st, 1985, while serving a sentence, Vario was indicted in a racketeering conspiracy that involved extortion. Got him. That's what, that'll, that'll do it right there. Um, he and his co-conspirators were charged with extorting over $350,000 from air cargo companies at JFK Airport, threat mm-hmm. threatening them with labor problems if they did not pay. Mm-hmm. Um, convicted again with the help of Hill's testimony, he was sentenced to 10 years uh, imprisonment for extortion. Wait, that's it? Yeah, like extortion doesn't carry like that high of a, you know, white collar crimes and all that. Okay. I guess it's not really a white collar crime, but just like financial crimes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I guess I, I thought, well, I thought they'd get him, you know, for 10 more, uh, 10 years. Well I'm, well, I'm sure they were also waiting like for other things to pop up and they just hit him with that. Cause these guys were involved in enough things. Like, cause, cause it's also one of those things too, where you don't want to have like the, um, like the the punishment for the crime that you're asking for as the prosecutor being too high because because it can cause like a mistrial or for the judge to or them to be found not guilty at a jury uh, trial okay. i got you so they have to keep it like within reason okay um uh, uh vario died on may 3rd 1988 uh, at the age of 73 um from respiratory failure as a result of lung cancer while incarcerated at fort worth federal prison in fort worth texas Good riddance. They got him um, too. They got him with the cancer. They kept I'm feeding him cigarettes. They were like, try, try these cigarettes. And sooner or later, he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. They finally got me. 
They gave him unfiltered cigarettes. <laughs> they gave him tops. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was buried at St. John Cemetery in Middle Village, Queens, New York. Um, Henry Hill died of complications related to heart disease in a Los Angeles hospital on June twelfth, twenty twelve, after a long battle with um, after a long battle with heart disease, um, a, a day after his sixty ninth birthday. <laughs> nice. Um, his girlfriend for the last six years of his life, uh, Lisa uh, Caserta, um, said he had been sick for a long time. His heart gave out. Um, He's an old man. Uh, CBS News aired uh, Caserta's uh, report of Hill's death, uh, during which he stated he went out pretty peacefully for a good fella. Oh, my uh, God. Stop it. Um, she said Hill had recently had a heart attack before his death and died of complications after uh, after a long history of heart problems uh, associated with smoking. Um, they Hill's got him, was- too. <laughs> Henry, have some of these cigarettes. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just a carton of cigarettes wrapped in a newspaper on his doorstep. <laughs> uh, Hill's family was present when he died, uh, and he was cremated after his death. Um, Vincent uh, Asaro, uh, a capo in the Bonanno uh, crime family, uh, remember that they had uh, they had used uh, some of his lots, and he was uh, involved in the uh, in the heist Joe, in some ways in the post heist. <laughs> That's what they call him, Joe Bananas. Uh, Joe Banana. Probably so. Um, he's kind of like Ryan Bananas. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like part of the Godfather story. Like the Michael Corleone side is kind of framed around Joe Joe Bonanno because he moves out to Vegas at some point. Mm. Um. He was arrested on January 23rd, 2014, um, in conjunction with an indictment charging him with involvement in the Lufthansa heist. Um, his cousin, uh, Gaspare uh, Valente, uh, testified against him. Um, the case against him was based on an informant who was referred to by Asara's attorney as one of the worst witnesses I've ever seen. Um, on November 12th, 2015, he was acquitted of all charges connected to the heist by a jury in Brooklyn. Uh, Vincent Asaro died in Queens um, on October 22nd, 2023, at the age of 86. Um, none of the uh, stolen cash or, or jewelry was ever recovered. Um, so the so so the case is largely like on like nobody except for the the one guy uh, Werner uh, went to uh, went to prison for the heist. And there's somebody out there sitting on millions of dollars in cash. From this robbery, yeah, I mean, you would think, right? Like, if they didn't recover it, that means somebody has it, or at least had it and spent it. But they had it; could still be well, in someone's well, backyard. Well, I think a lot of it's kind of like how when uh, you know, like that thing they say, like, oh, you could have money in a bank account, you don't, you don't remember opening or something like that. I think that it was like actively being like laundered, and then when Burke died because he had it in all the different places. Like that, uh, that when it came up, like like he never collected it, so it probably just stayed with those places. You know what I mean? Yeah, that must be nice for them. It's like the farmer that's like out in his field and found the fifty-five gallon drum buried in his field. Come to find out, it's Pablo Escobar's money. It's just filled with fucking cash. Yeah, all like rotted away and shit. <laughs> Bro, can you imagine just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna put down a new uh, some new pavers, a new a new um, little back patio in the in our in our backyard, and you like get the contractors come out there and they start digging up, and they're like, hey, what's this box we just found buried in your? None yard? of your business. Get out of here. You're done. <laughs> I'm, you're getting new contractors. <laughs> Go. It- 
it would be uh it would be funny though if uh the like the parking lots or whatever that he was laundering his money in that it like because he never came to collect the cash it like put him out of business because they couldn't use the weird accounting loophole they were in <laughs> <laughs> mafia guy gets him with this one weird trick what do you mean we can't use that loophole? They're like, oh, it's like April, April 16th or whatever. They're just like, it's like, oh God, not the, not the IRS. We got to buy, it's like, it's like Brewster's billions. We got to waste this money as fast as we can. Listen, fuck the FBI. I don't play with the IRS though. <laughs> oh man. So where are we at with it now? Like, do they have? Is there any current information about it at all? Did they close the case so I can finally admit that well, I was there and I did it ten years before my birth? <laughs> <laughs> there was a zygote at the scene. No one, no one talks about the zygote. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, like JF, like, like JFK, the courtroom scene where he's just like, yeah, or the or the scene in the park where they where he's talking to about like the tramps or whatever. I'm like, would you just call me? <laughs> You're a well-known tramp. You can give it up, okay? It's not new information. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's really any new information because like a lot of it came out. Um no one was convicted for it except for uh except for Warner. Um all the people who were involved are like dead. Like like even even today, like even the people like who were tangentially involved, you have to remember like these guys were in there like most of these guys were in their like fifties in the seventies. Yeah, it's not like they were like young guys. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, and I even- was looking up because you said uh, Thomas D. Simone was part was um, Joe Pesci's character, and I looked him up. This dude was twenty eight when he went missing. Yeah. But the problem is that all these photos of these people look like they're in their forties. <laughs> Everybody looks so much older than they actually do. Dude, were we were just then. talking about that. Um I was at a you know, we were at a thing yesterday and it's a bunch of like anime kids and uh you know, I'm like forty one but we're just selling arts and crafts. And uh we're sitting there and we're like, you know, I don't feel like we look that old. I'm like, well we look older but we don't look like ancient, you know? No, like you look no. back like maybe like twenty, thirty years and you know, like when our dads turned forty, they didn't look like us. Forty year old looked decrepit. And when back their in the day. when their dads turned forty, they looked like they a fucking old man. Yeah, they're like, already in hospice at forty. They were completely they look, they look bald. Like, <laughs> crypt keeper hey, at fifty. Hey, hey, hey! hey, hey. There's nothing wrong with being bald. I'm just saying, like, like it's just like everything rushed. And I I nailed it down to like, and this is not my like idea, but I think I agree with it. It's just like alcohol and cigarettes like there was so much more smoking and so much more drinking back then it's also the lead lead that's another thing yeah that's yeah. you always have it, was, it was everywhere it was in the gas yep it was in everything yeah i mean i'll give them i'll give them the smoking but uh <laughs> let's just say i still look pretty young okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i i uh, but you don't, i i i i drink a lot okay you don't binge drink though like you're not drinking every yeah. single day right true yeah that's true so i mean you gotta work so you give up a few days but like it's same i gotta time. i gotta at least i i, I can only drink at best three out of four day, or four out of four out of seven days <laughs> i'm trying real hard to get that fifth day <laughs> <laughs> and i get my membership card oh my god get that hole punched <laughs> yes <laughs> free bud light <laughs> bud light Oh man! 
All we right. We take it for free. So that's it, right? That's the whole thing? Yep. Damn. That's the whole thing. Well, if anybody finds ice. that money, you know, you know what to do with it. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Don't buy a <laughs> Don't Mary Kay car. <laughs> Don't buy a mink. Don't buy a Mary Kay car. If you're going to buy a Cadillac, do not tell blends, anyone that white. you know about it with the last name Burke. Don't fucking Don't bet. do that. <laughs> Don't bet money line on the Jets. Do not bet on the Jets. <laughs> do not do coke, or you're gonna have helicopters following your shitty car. Don't don't do don't do uh, don't do fake cocaine or heroin deals. Don't they they kill tend to end up bad with <laughs> Yeah, no no made man killing. Don't go twenty thousand dollars into debt with the mob. Nothing good is gonna come out of that. And then and you'll well, be all right. Well, would, it's not a lot. Why should stay too? It was twenty thousand then. It's like a hundred thousand. Oh, <laughs> fucking moron. What a moron. Imagine going to the mob, be like, hey, I need you to finance this house I'm going to build. Seriously, though, like, can I, I'll can say, I get a reverse mortgage? I'll say this now. I guess I'm getting old, but I'll, I'll say this now. Like, if you have a gambling problem, you should definitely call 1 800 Gambler. Can you imagine calling, like, 1 800 Gambling and the phone rings? Like, hey, this is uh, Pablo D. Simone. You need somewhere you need to some put money your, for gambling. Uh, you, need a, you have a problem with gambling? I think your problem is you don't have a place to do it like safely and in a calm environment. You come over here and lay some wines. The, the only thing is you're not gambling enough, okay? Come on over. The only the only thing it sounds like you have a problem with, pal, is a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, terrible. Oh, my God. I love it. All right. And with that... Good night. Good night. Good night. I gotta go to work. Good luck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>